morning and welcome. Happy Tuesday, somebody. Well, turn on the AC. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, and it is going to be a record hot day here in the Valley of the Sun. Matter of fact, pretty much, if you live anywhere where it's normally nice, right, where the places where people move, the West, the southwest, right? The south, you're on fire today. Uh, it's going to be, I don't, depending on where it is, 117, 118. And then, you know, you got all the asphalt and the cement, so it, it's going to be uh, probably closer to 120 degrees here in the Valley of the Sun today. You know what? We should really just uh, have, like, a cooking competition. You know, the I don't know what it is, but lately... I've been addicted to Chopped. Have you seen this show on, on the Food Network where they give you a basket of ingredients, and they're crazy ingredients, and then you only got X amount of minutes to cook it, and they judge how it is and all that. We can get Bobby Flay down here, right? We can just uh, have a whole competition where you cook stuff in your car. Uh, yesterday was, uh, we broke a record yesterday for that day. It's all-time, I think the all-time record, though, right, Wendy, was 122. Uh, I don't think we're not going to get that. Wendy's saying 117 today uh, is going to probably be the official number. I'll tell you this. So I, I, I leave for work 5 o'clock in the morning. And matter of fact, if you ever really want to get me, call about 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I'm usually, not usually, I am the only one here at that hour. But it was 93 degrees. When I was pulling into the office this morning at about 20 after 5, it takes me about 20 minutes to get here, about 20 after 5, it was already 93 degrees. Uh, yesterday I was watching the news, and, and inside of the car, like the dashboard, uh, they were looking at temperatures of about 157, 158. So today, I mean, I, I, I could easily see, you know, you probably, it would be a slow cook, but, you know, 170, 175, you get it done out there. Uh, but I will say this, watch the power. You're going to get a uh, power shock. My wife was actually uh, yelling at me and the boys yesterday about the lights being on this and that. It's, uh, from 3 to 8, apparently, the power companies are really going to hit you. So be careful because, I mean, these are not like a $10 surprise. Right, this is going to be a hundred, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars surprise in the power bill. Uh, so, so you've been warned. You know, we we warn you on a lot of stuff out there. Uh, so try to try to keep as cool as possible without it breaking the bank, because uh, it is going to be a a record hot day. I don't know if they're going to ground planes, but uh, here's what I did. I, I learned a lot yesterday when. The temperature of the runway at Sky Harbor Airport, if it crosses 123 degrees, the planes aren't allowed to fly because uh, apparently at that temperature, I don't know, I, I, I would imagine the, the tires start melting or, you know, because, you know, you're, you're taking off or you're going in for a landing, right? You're, you got to slow down and hit those brakes. Uh, and apparently that is the tipping point. So if you wanted to know that, that's what I learned on the news yesterday. At 123 degrees, uh, Sky Harbor, uh, that's the runway temperature, uh, will we'll, we'll start uh, 
not allowing any planes to take off or land. So so there you go. There's your your tidbit for the weather today. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. Of course, we deal in the, well, let's say legal, lawful, constitutional, and biblical metals, gold and silver, uh, physically delivering to all of you uh, in a world that uh, it is really gone completely mad. A lot of things to talk about today. Uh, we, we, we got gold right now. Gold's not really doing a lot. Gold's kind of hiding out, waiting, uh, you know, about $1,226, $1,227. We had a huge spike in interest rates uh, yesterday. Uh, the 10-year note now uh, right near 3%, again, 296 uh, but we have a hundred and we got another hundred and twenty billion dollars worth of dead auctions that we've got to go to. Uh, the trade wars are heating up. Angela, so yesterday, Japan said no deal. Today, Germany told us no deal. The president doing his Muhammad Ali calling tariffs are the greatest. And, and you know what? I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about it and. It really kind of makes a lot of sense. Here was his exact tweet. Terrorists are the greatest. Either a country which has treated the United States unfairly on trade negotiations, a fair deal, or it gets hit with tariffs. It's as simple as that, and everybody's talking. And you know what? Here's the reality. I said it yesterday. I still have yet to hear a country that's begging to renegotiate, which just tells you how bad we've really got it. Now, here's the unfortunate part about it all. Eventually, it's going to catch up with us, right? Because (laughs) when all of the terrorists finally do, like right now, it's just the farmers. By the way, uh, the farmers, there's a $12 billion relief package. Uh, I, I hope it actually goes to the to the small farmers and not the big corporate conglomerate farmers, but you know how it works, right? You know that that's more likely. A big jump in the last couple of days in the debt. So we, we, we're now almost, we're closing in now on $21.3 trillion. And remember, by the end of the year, right, we're going to be at that 22 number and rising. Got a lot of ground to cover today. Patriot Radio News Hour. You can take the heat. Come on back. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. That is our toll free number. Uh, silver's higher today as well. Uh, Fifteen dollars and fifty three cents right now on on silver as well. A lot of a lot of back and forth, right? The the trade wars heating up. Who's going to blink first? Who's not going to blink first? Uh, Trump calling tariffs the greatest. Uh, and really, I think it does really symbolize, though, how bad of a deal we really got. Because if, if you think that it was even remotely fair, that some countries would be like, yeah, we would love to renegotiate, right? You know, that we got a bad deal. Didn't ha- hasn't happened. Not one. But what does it all mean? You know, one of the things that, that has bothered me about this whole thing, so we got GDP coming at the end of the week. This is going to be the best quarter we're going to have. I don't know what the number's going to be. Uh, I, I will say this. We, the, the estimates range from 2.8 to 5.3, right? I mean, you can drive a, a Mack truck through.
through this thing. I, I think we're, we're going to be uh, upper threes, lower fours. Uh, and, and really, I think it was going to be upper threes. It could be lower fours because a bunch of uh, importers tried to beat the deadline on, on the terrace with the Chinese, uh, will, which will help the second quarter a little bit. But the thing that's been bothering me, pay, wages, real earnings, right? And I've been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and saying, hey, listen, it does, the math doesn't add up. I mean, you can have Jay Powell testify in front of Congress and even say, yes, I believe America's better off, right? The American worker's better off. But right before that, he said, but the data says that they actually are earning way less money today than they were 20 years ago. How is that better off? And I mean, it's it's not better off, uh, and it's actually getting a lot worse. And this is part of the big problem, because everyone wants to believe the headline. Everyone wants to cheerlead uh, the, uh, and you hear it every day. American workers are making more. American workers are making more. American workers are making more. We are making more. Not very much. Matter of fact, if you, and the problem is you strip out the top 10%, we're not even doing that. But the problem is the more that you're making doesn't replace the increase in your expenses. Right? In other words, it's not even close to keeping up with inflation. We had one of the bulls. So, so remember, I think it was late last week, and I got all upset. Larry Kudlow came out for, you know, first he went out and lied about the debt, right? And that got me upset. Then he came out and, and actually expressed concern about growth, right? And talk, was talking about China, and I was shocked. I'm like, you know, Larry Kudlow, your whole house could burn down, and he'd be like, oh, it's not that bad, right? You lose everything, and, you know, the guy just lives in, in fantasy land. And it really, it, it, it stuck with me. And, you know, when I went digging, and I told you about the San Francisco Federal Reserve, which did a big study, which is warning about, hey, this second half, things are going to get a lot tougher. This this tax cut boom isn't really materializing. And, again, I'm not – I'll say this. I love what Trump is doing. I do. With the one exception, and that was the tax deal, because the tax deal really – was the giveaway to Wall Street. I mean, that's all it was. They all and and I don't even need to tell you they all bought back their own stock. And you know what? All the insiders bought back their own stock. Stock prices went up, and they all sold. I mean, that's what happened. If he would have had a tax cut and not given out, you know, the giveaways to Wall Street, I'd have been okay with it. I really. Outside of that, though, I love it. Listen, we've gotten the wrong end of the stick for a long time. And I love that we're trying to take it back. Unfortunately, right, we're in the the denial stage, and I think by the end of the year, getting it back is going to be very, very painful. But one of the Wall Street bulls came out on uh, CNBC yesterday, and and I and we're going to play the clip today. Because and I don't normally play the bull guys because they're all full of bull, but. You know, they're all bovine specialists out there. But but I'll tell you what, here's what I liked about this clip. He talks about the headline number, and then he comes back and says, but let me tell you what the real number 
is. And you know what? This guy could be doing my radio show today. Ramon, let's play the clip. Welcome to Trading Nation. I'm Sarah Eisen. A former Super Bowl sees some trouble ahead for stocks, citing a trend that's signaling an economic slowdown risk is intensifying. Lakshman Akathan is the co-founder of the Economic Cycle Research Institute. And welcome back, Lakshman. Thank you. You want to go to this chart that you brought up here on Trading Nation that you think is a very strong tell right now for the economy on the consumer. Tell us about it. Absolutely. Um, These are two of the key coincident indicators of what defines the economic cycle. And uh, they're consumer specific. You have uh, consumer spending uh, on the top line. Uh, and personal income growth on the bottom line. And what we see today is that consumer spending growth uh, has fallen to real consumer spending growth, has fallen to a four and a quarter year low. So that's even lower than the lowest point we saw at the end of the 2015 slowdown. It's starting up again, a a new fresh slowdown, uh, and part of the reason is uh, income uh, personal, real personal income is actually slowing as well. So here's 70% of the U.S. economy, which right. is slowing. And this is notable because we have this global slowdown call for quite a while. We see the slowdown abroad, and there's kind of a story that, oh, the U.S. is decoupling. Uh, but here we see that actually it isn't. It's actually still participating. There's some mitigating factors making it a little less clear in the U.S., uh, but the direction is clear as, I, as, I, as I'm showing on this chart. Why do you think this is so underappreciated? I mean, I feel like the prevailing feeling right now is that the U.S. economy is doing great, might even see a forehandle on growth this quarter, and the consumer is doing increasingly better. Look at retail sales, for instance, today. Sure. So retail sales, the headline numbers that are making the rounds today, those are all nominal. Uh, so when you adjust for inflation, uh, the shine comes off, and you see that broader chart of, of uh, consumer spending growth is actually at a four-and-a-half-year low. That's just a fact, real consumer spending growth, which is broader than retail sales. I think this forehandle in Q2 is a bit of a head fake, maybe the same way that the earlier spike in oil was a bit of a head fake, uh, that you have in, in Q2, you had oil prices rising. Of course, the U.S., a big part of the positive story is that We've got much more energy production here in the, United, in the United States, and that will boost measures like GDP. Uh, but uh, where goes oil prices goes that production. And when we have a global industrial slowdown, that's likely to weigh on industrial commodity price growth in the future, which isn't so good for GDP growth down the line. So what's your time horizon in terms of your thinking of a slowdown in overall growth? Well, I think it's actually happening, kind of a a stealth slowdown, I would call it, because it's hard to see uh, beyond, say, a Q2 uh, GDP number. However, so I think the slowdown's already starting. I think it becomes more apparent in the next quarter or two. And the key thing is what happens then. Does it bottom or does it continue to slow? Because if it continues to slow, you have the window of vulnerability opening up where shocks, negative shocks that we could weather when, when the economy is growing, become much more problematic in, in that kind of scenario. So that's what I'm watching for. Leading indicators haven't turned up yet, so we have to keep a sharp eye. And what do you think is the most fundamental, m- misunderstood thing about this economy right now and the bulls who point to the very strong growth, the high confidence numbers, for instance? What well, are they not seeing? 
Well, I don't, I don't like this story of decoupling. I don't think that that's really feasible for the entire world to slow down uh, mm-hmm. and for the U.S. to go on its own merry way. When I look at where the pockets of strength are, like Q2 GDP, I can see that it has a lot to do with energy production. That's pretty evident if you look. Uh, and also, we certainly have a, a one-off positive from uh, fiscal, the fiscal side of things, which is non-cyclical. It's a one-off event. Uh, and when you talk to somebody in the man in the street, they might have had a little bit of a, of a, of a raise in earnings, but inflation is eating that up and then mm. some. So that wages, incomes, are lower than they were, real, adjusted for inflation, than a year ago. So there it is, right? It, it, and I think it really typifies everything that we've been talking about. When you really look at it, yes, it's possible, right? And even to, you know, possible that, that, that we're making a, a, a little more money. But when you look at the real data, when you look at actual consumer spending, in other words, I bought the exact same amount of stuff. It just cost me more. I didn't buy any more stuff, right? I just bought the same amount of stuff, and it cost me more. And everybody, in real terms, is actually making less money today than a year ago. And then, and I love his point of where, you know, we're talking about China slowing down, Japan slowing down, Europe slowing down, but the U.S. isn't right. And he's like, you know, I, I don't buy it. Right, and then when you actually look, he's like, the American consumer is in the same boat that all the other, the Japanese consumer, the Chinese consumer, the the European consumer. And then he talked about mitigating factors. Right, hey, we got a tax cut. Right, that that's nice. If nobody wants to look past this second quarter GDP number, I get it. Right, we already. Hey, it's going to be a good number. What he did say was that the biggest driver of that good number was oil. I, I, and and you know what? I just wish you know why weren't we drilling all this oil way back when? Uh, but but nonetheless, you know, oil got what clo- closed in in the upper seventies, and it's still right now it's still sixty eight, sixty nine, seventy dollars a barrel. Uh, but but he he's like, and if he's right, and we do start to slow down. And he's already said, hey, the numbers that we're looking at, and I go back to Larry Kudlow, and I'm like, why did all of us, why, why would he change his tune? I mean, we're going to have this great GDP number. Why not keep the the, the, the big, uh, you know, hey, you know, we're going to have four, five, you know, Larry should have been talking about four, five, six, seven percent. You know, that's what he does. Instead, he said, hey, we're going to have a quarter or two of 4% GDP growth. That's what was his comment. Now I'm starting to understand why. Because for a long time now, I've been telling you about, hey, wait a minute, this isn't adding up. Right? We didn't get this Trump tax cut, the big pay rate. Remember, everyone's going to get an extra four grand. That didn't happen. What is happening, though, is everything else is going up, and it's starting to really show its head. So are we just hiding things and 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 i and i like his perspective hey once this number comes out and and, and it comes out this week we're going to start focusing in now 
past this number. And I think that's when you're going to start seeing, hey, wait a minute, we may be truly uh, having exactly what Larry Kudlow said, which is a quarter. I don't even know about two. I don't think we get two. I don't think the third quarter we're going to get there. Uh, and and not because, you know, we're not trying. It's just the realities are we're not making any money. I mean, that's, that's just plain and simple. And, and you start thinking about money, and you start thinking about the debt. And, again, this I told you in the last time, all of a sudden, again, we're getting uh, the debt's not moving, the debt's not moving, and then you wake up one day and it jumps $50 billion. Not moving, not moving, not moving, and then it jumps $40 billion. You know, right, right now we're getting ready to cross uh, $21.3 trillion in the next four days. And this is just four days. We got to sell another hundred and twenty billion dollars worth of debt, and and the and they're talking about uh, the yield curve. All of this debt is seven years or less, and uh, and and we'll have to see is this yield curve really going to tighten up again as record amounts of debt continue to be issued by the United States. Paper Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast launched by Phyllis Schlafly, who served as an articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Upholding that legacy and himself an author, national speaker, and attorney, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. My mentor, the late Phyllis Schlafly, was a key voice in nearly every area of political thought. One of her favorite topics to speak on was the indoctrination going on at universities around our nation. Phyllis witnessed the craziness firsthand by investigating campus riots in the 1960s and again by speaking or debating on campuses thousands of times over the course of her 70 years of political involvement. In her early days of activism, she was one of the few voices warning that college professors were indoctrinating and radicalizing their students. So many years later, the curtain has been lifted, and anyone can clearly see the leftist bias being forced on our young people today. Arizona State University is embracing this indoctrination philosophy by offering bachelor's and master's degrees in, quote, social justice and human rights, end quote. In case you hadn't heard, social justice is a leftist buzzword for the thoughtless, radical ideology of young liberals. Students who want to study for these degrees will take classes like grassroots social movements, abject bodies and the politics of trash, and gender on the borderlands. Arizona State is far from the only place to offer these kinds of ridiculous classes. The sad state of American scholarliness should bother every parent footing the bill for their son or daughter's so-called education. They should demand to know what their children are learning in these social justice courses. On top of this, taxpayers should demand to know why they are backing student loans to finance these degrees. When we send our young people off to college, we are not sending them off to get indoctrinated by leftist professors, clutching their tenure as they spout off their personal opinions. No, we send our young children to college to prepare them for jobs in the workforce and in community so they can be productive citizens. What company out there wants to hire someone with a master's in social justice? I'd say the demand is pretty low. Don't let these universities get away with indoctrinating our sons and daughters. Keep tabs on what they're learning, and don't let them go for a phony degree in social justice. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you have a college-bound son or daughter? Do you care about the next generation? 
At phyllisschlafly.com, we expose the liberal agenda and anti-Christian mindset found on most college campuses and help equip conservative students to stand up for their beliefs. Visit us at phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 800-951-0592. Today's special, U.S. $20 gold pieces. These are going to be XF. They're just really nice material here. Uh, One through nine at $12.95. If you buy ten or more, $12.85 at $800. Nine five one zero five nine two. U.S. Silver Eagles uh, three seventy five right now. Uh, three seventy five a roll on U.S. Silver Eagles. Uh, that puts it at about three dollars and twenty cents over spot. Uh, Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. That's the number to call. Wendy will be here working. Uh, we may cut out early. Wendy's clapping, but she'll forward the phone. She can answer. She may be answering the phone in her pool today. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be a million degrees outside, and I don't want to pay the electric bill. I mean, it's just that simple. Uh, speaking of electric bills, so so let's start piecing things together. So we had Larry Kudlow not be Larry Kudlow. Then we had Donald Trump attacking the Federal Reserve, right, and attacking the strong dollar. And, and I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm scrambling, right, and I'm trying to figure it out. What happened? What data did they see that has them worried? Right? Today, this week, they're going to cheer everything because they know they've got a, a, an in-the-bag GDP number, but what's going to happen next? That's really more important. And here's the sad part. Wall Street should be focusing. What's what's the conditions going to be like? They should be focusing on 2019. Not something that's already passed, but this is is the world we're living in today. Reuters, where they put together something, and this goes hand-in-hand with the quote-unquote Super Bowls that are now turning the other way. By almost every measure, The U.S. economy is booming. But if you look behind the headline of the roaring job growth and the consumer spending reveals how the boom continues in large part by the poorer half of America, fleecing their savings and piling up debt. Let me tell you, this doesn't happen. And this really brings home what I told you. I'm telling you, stagflation is what we're in. They don't know it yet. Well, they don't want to admit it yet. But this is what it is. And according to the analysis of U.S. households, the data that the bottom 60%, which is probably, you know, I don't know, 200,000 at least of the... Uh, working people out there, you know, of the 200 uh, million, of the 300 million people, bottom 60% of earners have accounted for most of the rise in spending. In other words, what Reuters is saying is, hey, you know what? 
the upper the upper part of the they're about they're spending about the same. It's the poor people that are spending more. And really what that tells you is guess what? Every bill got more expensive. Right? The cable bill's more expensive, the electric bill's more expensive, the car payments more expensive, right? And they have no choice. Because what they're also saying is we haven't seen this trend in decades, right? What are they referring to, right? 70s, right? Of course, that was hyperinflation. A little different this time around. They said that according to the data, and remember what the, the that bull was talking, that clip that we played earlier, remember what he was talking about. The headline number looks good. Right, and Reuters even said, hey, the headline number looks good. But when you actually dig in, not so good. It says that according to to all of the data points, the bottom 60% of workers' actual income is continuing to decline and that all of the growth that we've seen has come on the backs of either depleting their savings, of which we know most of them don't have savings, or racking up credit card debt, which they also point out delinquencies again rising. One of the things that they pointed out, and here, here was something that I thought was pretty interesting. They said that credit card loans, and auto loan delinquencies are rising at the same time the savings rate is 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 plummeting the most since 2005. I remember five was really here. We kind of knew by the end of 05 in Arizona, yeah, where trouble was coming, right? They 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 didn't get around to it uh, till 06 07, but we knew here. And they're saying, hey, th- listen, this is just data, right? If you want to do math, let's do it together. When we look at the data, this is what we see. And and really, the, the ultimate point that I'm making here is they're not doing this because they want to. They're doing it because they have to. They use an example of this. Uh, a 27-year-old certified medical assistant at Drexel. And Drexel is a, a university uh, in Philly. Great school, by the way. Three years ago, confident that a steady full-time job offer was enough financial security, she took out loans to buy a Honda Odyssey and a $120,000 home. Now, I, I again, I don't know. Congratulations to her that she was able to do that. And I mean, find a home for 120 grand. Here's what was funny. They talked to her three years later. She goes, I had $10,000 in the bank in savings. I'm down to 900. She said that I'm dipping into my savings every single month just to make the payment. And, and she goes, I'm down to managing toilet paper and electricity, cable TV, and the occasional $5 Groupon is my indulgence. 
God forbid I get a ticket, right? Can you imagine, hey, I can't even afford a parking ticket, right? A speeding ticket. Or something breaks on my car. There's just more, no more room for me to recover. And according to Reuters, here's what they said. The bottom 60% of Americans are taking on debt that they can't repay. And that's the economic growth. It's going to be a tough second half. Take their radio news hour. We'll be back after the break. 800-951-0592. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Right? When you, when you look at the headlines, they say one thing. When you look into the actual data underneath the headlines, they say something very, very different. Does this mean that we're, we're going to see the end of rate hikes a little sooner than people think? That remains to be seen. But it's sure kind of looking like people are starting to to hedge that bet a little bit, right? They're starting to look at these the trade war right now. We're bragging about it, but so far nobody's blinked, right? Germany today says, hey, uh-uh, we're not doing it, right? And I get it, right? I wouldn't want to do it either, right? You got to think about it. Look at what's happening, right? Uh, big, big news. We haven't really talked about it, but China uh, stimulus into the economy yesterday, injected $500 billion into their banks uh, and, and really trying to to – help growth there. China's growth is slowing. So does China want to need a renegotiate right now? They're like, hey, wait a minute, our economy's slowing. Japan, they came out and said, hey, we don't want to renegotiate. Our economy's slowing. Europe, they come out today, we don't want to renegotiate. Our economy's slowing. Right? Why would we renegotiate and give it work? Right? We're already having a hard time. And then we're trying to say, hey, you know what? Everybody else having a time, but we're okay. Right? That that's the that that's the word on the street, right? That's what we, we need to believe. But then when you look inside of that data, you're like, eh, it's not that not as good as they're leading us to believe. Does it mean it's bad? No. I want the Dow to keep going. But you know, again, it was up what, thirty, forty percent last year. Can't do that. We know that, hey, logically, that's not supposed to happen. And the only reason it's still here, right, why, why is the Dow at 25000 no, Because we gave a huge tax cut, right? Does anybody believe the Dow would be at 25000 without this tax cut, yes or no? And the answer is really simple, no. No one believes that. Right? What, what we have... 4% GDP, and I'm going to make, you know, let's call it 4% second quarter. Would it have 4% GDP growth without this, this tax cut? No. But this isn't the issue. We knew we'd get a little bit, right? But now we got the biggest cheerleader of all coming out and saying, hey, well, maybe we'll get a quarter or two or 4%, but that's it, right? And that's kind of what all of us had said all along. Hey, listen, this isn't a real big, jobs creating tax cut right because what did they do they just said hey listen you can do what you want i would have loved hey you can have this mega tax cut if you invest in the united states and instead what they did was they just bought back their stock that's all they did 
matter of fact, it's been never in the history of the United States has Wall Street bought more stock back than they have so far this year. All-time record high. You know when the last record high was? That's the last time we allowed them to give them a tax cut and allowed them to do this, right? And that's all we get. And now they're looking at wages, and and really when when they talk about spending and consumer spending, you got to look in it. Yet on the headline it looks okay, but when you really look at what the personal finances of everybody in this country, it's the same thing. We got less money in savings. Matter of fact, the savings rate is the lowest since the recession. Right? Think back to what he's what, what they were talking about. All the the bottom sixty percent, their savings rate is back to oh five. And guess what? The difference is they got even more debt. And then we we talked about uh, all these people. Right? The the parents are having to help their their thirty year olds buy houses. Right, because they can't afford them. Today, Market Watch ran a big article said, "Hey, listen, there's a problem with the millennials. Uh, a third of them that have bought that are buying homes are just taking the money out of their retire out of their 401ks. Right? That, what they didn't say was the other two thirds are borrowing it from mom and dad. Right? We're 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 a a country that has loaded up its citizenry on debt. Right? Think about student loans didn't even really exist." 25 years ago they didn't exist right nobody had you had Pell Grants I mean you had a few people that had a student loan but by and large it didn't exist now what it's the second largest amount of debt we own behind the home right so think about it by the time you graduate college you're, you're in debt up to your eyeballs you can't even afford anything Right, it's like that gal working at Drexel. Hey, I got a good job. I didn't buy a Beamer. I didn't buy a Caddy. I didn't buy a big SUV. I, I bought a Honda Odyssey. And a home for 120 I don't know where, right? Obviously, she's not living in the greatest neighborhood in Philly. For a hundred and twenty grand. Can't do it. Three years later, I went from ten thousand to nine hundred. I mean, that's pretty easy math for me, right? By, by Christmas, she's in trouble. And this is really what we're seeing in a lot of of these data points, and why I think it's so hard, and, and why I think you saw Donald Trump go out and attack the Federal Reserve, saying, "Hey, you got to stop this." Every time you raise rates, all of these people got to make their credit card payments, right? right? Their student loan payments. They got they got to try to make a house payment, right? They can't afford it. 800-951-0592. XF $20 gold pieces. One through nine at twelve ninety five. Ten or more at twelve eighty five. 800-951-0592. When we get back, what's China doing with the gold to finish up a Tuesday? So where's all the gold going, right? We know Russia, record, right? Never bought more gold than they've been doing right now. And, and, and they're up to fifth 
in the world, but we know China's got more, but but we'll we'll call them fifth. And and you know they weren't even in the top ten ten years ago. Turkey record gold buying out of Turkey, right? And and, and you just start and really just start picking off the countries, China, and the Shanghai Gold Exchange, where where you know June marked the end of the halfway point. The data now is in for June. And I'm telling you, I got a funny feeling July is going to be extremely impressive. But even having said that, something that that is important to note, China's the largest gold producer in the world. So when you think about who produces the most gold day in, day out, the Chinese do. They're the largest gold importer in the world. By the way, they don't export any. And they're still the largest importer in the world. And the Shanghai Gold Exchange is now the largest physical gold exchange in the world. Matter of fact, London's really a paper market, right? Shanghai, it's the actual physical commodity. And and here's what here's the numbers. For the first six months of twenty eighteen, withdrawals from the Shanghai Gold Exchange. And just so you know, everything goes in. They say all the mine, go, the mine supply goes in, the recycled gold goes in, the imports gold in. I mean, it's all in there. So the withdrawals are telling you the demand numbers inside of China itself. They said the numbers for 2018 for the first six months of the year, 1,038 metric tons and, and, and I'm like and, and so you're like hey that's over 2,000 metric tons a year it's the third largest total ever and they just missed being the second largest total total ever by the way the largest total uh, for the first half for the first half of the year was June 2015 right that was the bottom Right, China's smart. Right, they buy the bottoms hard. Uh, that was eleven hundred and seventy-eight metric tons. In case you wanted to know, uh, this is the third largest amount ever, uh, as far as withdrawals out of the Shanghai Gold Exchange. Uh, if that number is annualized, it'll be two thousand and seventy-six metric tons. Which usually, normally, China the buying kind of ramps up. Uh, uh, be, I guess, trying to get ready for the, especially at the end of the year, getting ready for the Lunar New Year. Uh, so I, I'll be shocked if we don't end uh, somewhere around 21, 2200 metric tons. According to the uh, imports in gold to China, uh, China, again, number one in the world. Switzerland was number two. By the way, the largest uh, exporter, you guessed it, right here in the United States. Again, the wealth just leaving the nation, no matter how you look at it, everywhere you turn, uh, whether it's the trade deficit numbers and the month, uh, the gold leaving, or if it's the gold leaving, the actual gold itself leaving. By the way, China produced 426 metric tons of gold last year. That number is actually supposed to fall this year. 
U.S. 20s, 12.95, 10 or more, 12.85, 800-951-0592. 